So, Mark. Yes? At the time this week's movie was released, its tagline featured pretty prominently in the marketing. And I feel like we don't appreciate taglines as much these days, in part because so much stuff is just like franchise whatever, so they don't need to be like, here's a cool tagline. It's just like, it's Thor 4. Come see Thor again. (laughs) I mean, is that not the tagline for the new Thor? Come see Thor again? Come on. Come on. You're gonna come back. You're gonna see it. But I enjoy a really good tagline. And I was wondering, like, what's your favorite movie tagline? I think the one that I think about most often is just whoever wins, we lose for the film Alien versus Predator. Because if the alien wins, she will eat us all. But if the Predator wins, he will, I don't know, also eat us all? I don't know what the Predator does. I don't think the Predator eats people. I think the Predator just kills people. I mean, that would track. But I think it's a great tagline. Also, isn't the Predator an alien too? Yes. Okay. Well, whoever wins, we lose. I think about it a lot. A lot of joke potential with that one. It's a fantastic tagline. A great tagline for what I'm assuming must be a terrible movie. I have never seen it. I do own it on Blu-ray because in like 2019-ish, the FYE at Wheaton Mall was going out of business. And like every week they would slash their prices more and more. And so when I was going to the movies there, I would build in some time to go to FYE ahead of time and be like, what movie is now cheaper than renting? And so I bought a lot of Blu-rays for under $4. And I wanted to buy copies of Alien and Aliens just because I like them. And I was able to get a shrink-wrapped package, just like individual Blu-ray boxes shrink-wrapped together for like $8 of Alien, Aliens, Alien 3, Alien Resurrection, both Alien vs. Predator movies, and Prometheus. There are two Alien vs. Predator movies? Yeah. Oh, wow. The collapse of the physical media store really led to some great sales. I made out like a bandit. I loved going into that store. The one time I went, I remember there was abs- there was nothing worth buying, even for a dollar. It was stuff I would have had to have been paid a dollar to take away. Yeah, but I because think I was had at the picked very it clean. End. Yeah, I think you had done your work already. This also is when I got into steelbooks because they were so cheap. I feel like there was also one at Lake Forest Mall. There was an was, FYE there. Yeah. I have no idea was, if it closed or not. Also, it was collapsing when Claire was in her, like, all three plays at Lake Forest Mall. The store was collapsing that whole time. So I think I bought a few there. That FYE at Lake Forest Mall was crucial to me because that is where I bought my first Office DVDs. Uh, I owned Office Season 2 on DVD only, so I have seen Season 2 so many times. Maybe we had three. Yeah, this was before the days of Netflix Instant, as it was called then. Oh my god. So, like, I knew all the episode titles. I would just, like, pop in the disc and know which one I wanted. Yeah, you'd go to Casino Night if you wanted to feel romantic. I have very fond memories of watching The Office with my grandmother, because we were eating cereal for dinner, because it was a big... You know, woo, wild night when you're a kid. (laughs) And she just looks at me very seriously and goes, Mark, I'm going to show you something that you can never do in polite society. And then started drinking the milk from her cereal bowl without using the spoon. Goes, this is just (laughs) so rude. I'm doing this to show you how to behave. Just to show you again, make sure you never drink milk from the bowl like this. And then proceeds to just down the rest of the milk in her cereal bowl. That's amazing. 
That reminded me, a couple weeks ago, my history students had their first in-class debate. And they got really into it, and we wrapped up with some time left to discuss it. And we were supposed to be, like, discussing the debate and, like, what it was like and also, like, whether they agreed with the side they were assigned. And they had no interest in doing any of that because they had ended it so high energy that they were like, we need to go. We need to have another debate right now. And that's all they were willing to do. So I was like, fine. Uh, You have to use the same sides for, like, who's saying yes and who's saying no is cereal soup. And it was like I had thrown a bomb into that classroom. Oh, my God. (laughs) They exploded. I feel like there would have been blood on the ground by the end of that one. Yeah, if the bell had not rung, I would have been fired for inciting a riot. Oh, my God. It would have been so sad for you to have lost your job so fast. (laughs) I know. And all because my students got too excited. A child... (laughs) Breaking news. A child died at today as a teacher told the students to debate is cereal soup cut to some children giving very graphic details of what happened in the classroom in the background some kids are marching through the street with a a child's head on a stick Uh uh-huh i mean this sounds like season three of american vandal that never happened we deserved it though ah that was so uh what a what a shame probably thinking about this week american vandal the best parody film product in many years i would say so there are many good parodies of the true crime genre but american vandal might be the best at pointing out its inherent ridiculousness yeah anyway my favorite tagline is also from the alien franchise it's the original it's the best in space no one can hear you scream a phrase that i didn't realize was a movie tagline until i'd heard it several times Right, it has just so suffused the culture that, like, it has a life of its own beyond that poster. It's crazy. Great tagline. Aliens, they lead to the best taglines, I guess. Uh, yeah, the tagline for the film Aliens is, this time it's war, which is also great. What's Alien Cubed? That's a great question. I mean, that's such a weird movie. Or Prometheus's. Um, Alien 3, this time it's hiding in the most terrifying place of all, which is a prison. That's bad. Um, Prometheus. The search for our beginning could lead to our end is a pretty good one. For Prometheus? Yeah. I, Prometheus, great movie. For some reason on IMDb, I only get the ratings in British. Like 12A instead of PG-13. That is weird. Was this true before you went to Britain? I don't know. I didn't really notice it until today. And maybe it's like the specific articles i've chosen but yeah Mm. well i mentioned the at the time famous tagline for this week's movie and that was emblazoned on the poster no shame no mercy no sequel presumably (laughs) making fun of all the horror franchises with lots of sequels yeah we also we all know how that turned out yes so the tagline for scary movie 2 was (laughs) we lied okay a good tagline It is weird to have a tagline that is a joke about the previous tagline. Well, the people who pay attention to taglines will get it, and the people who ignore taglines won't, because they don't pay attention to taglines. I suppose. I think, also, the tagline doesn't do that much for a movie, and everyone is aware, but you have to have it. Well, I think the tagline, like, no longer serves a purpose, but it used to. Because, if you remember, like, two years ago, there was that big... Kyle Buchanan piece in the New York Times about, like, the way the film industry has been changing. And I think a lot about something 
someone said in there, I think it was like Anthony Russo, weirdly, but was talking about the idea that like at one time for a long time, people would go to the movies and the movies was a destination and you get there and you decide what to see. Whereas today, specific movies are the destination. Like you go out to see the Avengers or whatever. And so Hmm. in that world where like you go to the movies and then you see what's up, the tagline is serving a purpose because it's giving you some sense of what these movies are. You're browsing the posters to decide what to see. Yeah. I think even by 2004, whenever the second one came out, people were... Oh, excuse me. The second one is out in 2001. Oh, okay. So in 2001, even by then, from my memories of going to the movies, we were picking before we went. Because you had the newspaper to tell you what time the movies were, even before the internet. Or you could call up movie phone. Or you could call movie phone. I remember at my grandparents' house always going to check the local paper to find the movie times for the day and picking what we want to see in the morning. This is also, we were using the internet at home. It was only at my grandparents' house that we still had to use the newspaper. I mean, the internet was slow, you know, dial up. Easier to just call movie phone. Wow. Let's move on. Welcome. (laughs) How is it that in the past, to use the internet, you couldn't use the phone, but now you use the internet on your phone? Oh, God. Welcome to We Love the Love, a Hollywood romance podcast and not Will Redmond's stand-up hour. I'm Mark and I'm Kay. And I'm Will and I'm a ginger. This, of course, is an investigative podcast examining... It's not actually the least important thing because that joke I just did is less important. But one of the least (laughs) important things the world is dealing with today, does Hollywood romance actually make any sense? And are these people actually dateable or even likable? It doesn't matter if the romance is a main plot or a one-scene flirtation. We will dig in and see what's there. And this week, as we've alluded to, we are taking a look at the blockbuster genre parody, Scary Movie. Now... I think before we begin, it's very important to point something out. Anna Ferris has brown hair, and it was disconcerting throughout the whole movie for me. <laughs> it made it hard for me to identify her at first. I didn't know who it was. I watched this on an iPad on a plane. I was so confused because I knew Anna Ferris was in it, and at the beginning, I kept waiting for her to show up, even after her character had been on the screen for like two scenes. Because she's also so young. Right, that's the other thing. She's not yet the star of Mom. She is not yet the star of Mom. She's not yet even married to Chris Pratt, I believe. Yeah. I asked Nick at one point, I was like, wait, isn't Anna Ferris in this? He had to be like, that is Anna Ferris." Oh, bud. So, what was your level of exposure to Scary Movie or sort of anything about this going in? <laughs> I think I have seen Scary Movie, like, four only. All Which I was remember, a big hit around the time we were in high school. I remember only seeing the one that made fun of signs with aliens in it. But I can't tell you anything about it. I remember knowing that people liked the scary movies, but yeah, I don't they, think These are it, big movies for teens. Yeah. Great movie for teens. But I'm trying to I don't think I'd ever seen the first one before. I think I've seen two. I was really confused because by the end of the movie, I was like, all of these people are in Scary Movie 2. And then I looked it up, and indeed they are. And they are playing the same characters. They're just no longer dead. Yeah, I don't think continuity is the biggest concern with these. No, it is not. 
So I had not seen any of these movies in their entirety. I had seen the beginning of either Scary Movie 4 or 5, whichever one has, like, the sexy pillow fight. I had seen in a friend's basement, and then I went home. Okay, I have seen Scary Movie 3. I've Googled it. Which also might be the one you've seen, because it starts with uh, Jenny McCarthy and Pamela Anderson. The first sentence just starts with Katie, Jenny McCarthy, and Becca, Pamela Anderson. So I'm assuming a sexy pillow fight is in there. Yeah, probably. But it's The Ring and Signs are the main okay. two in that one. Sure. Um, I have seen most of Don't Be a Menace to South Central While Drinking Your Juice in the Hood, which is the Wayans Brothers previous parody movie it's their parody of black hood dramas of the 90s like primarily boys in the hood but also things like menace to society is it good it has some good jokes i would not say it is a great film so kind of like this one yeah i think it's highs or higher than this one okay this movie does have some very solid jokes in it the weirdest thing about scary movie to me was I mean, I think you and I texted about this. Like, I went in being like, this is probably going to be pretty dumb, but I just need to give myself over to the movie and enjoy it for what it is. And that became increasingly difficult to do as the movie went on. And ultimately, my feeling was like, weirdly, all of the prop humor worked for me. Like, anytime they had a funny object on screen, even if it was just like the popcorn on the stove that kept getting impossibly large, that always worked for me. But a lot of the stuff that they thought was funny in terms of characters was not. Right, uh, like, the electrified fence on her underwear, I did laugh at that. Yeah. It's a little, like, It's a little, it's, that one I was just like, it's 2000, whatever. The dad being angry about his daughter having sex trope, I can handle. And I loved the trailer for Amistad (laughs) 2. I also, unfortunately, really enjoyed her dad, (laughs) just in general. (laughs) Uncle Escobar, at one point. (laughs) Right. Gotta go wrangle those hippos. Yes. Just the casual way that they played her dad's character was entertaining for me. Because that was towards the beginning where I was still just, like, ready to kind of go into it. Like, all right, yeah. Yeah. The weirdest thing, honestly, about this movie is the gay jokes about Ray. I thought were honestly pretty funny. <laughs> like, when he says, does this shirt make me look gay? And then he flips it and says, okay, how about now? Like, that kind of stuff where... it was entertaining but then it's just also so weird (laughs) the way they handle it at the end yeah it is very strange to the point where i'm just like i'm just confused and then of course there's also the other stuff where like with like miss man the gym teacher yeah where the the premise of that is not that she is trans it's that she is a man pretending to be a woman to get a job as a girl's gym teacher i guess I just thought it was a joke about the lesbian gym teacher, which is very common in media. I think that's where it starts. It's where it starts, but they just took it too far to the point where it was incredibly uncomfortable. Yes, add that that to the fact that I'm watching it on a plane. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So then you're doing that thing where you're, like, lowering the screen because you don't want anyone around you to see it. Many more penises in this movie than expected. Absolutely. Which, you know, good for them. Hey, you know, if if we're going to do full frontal nudity, it should be equal opportunity. Yeah. I honestly, there's more penises than boobs in this movie. There are, which surprised me. Especially given that my one point of reference for the franchise was the sexy pillow fight. Yeah. Uh, Also, the fact that they just call her Drew at the beginning is kind of funny, too. 
So I have never seen Scream, which is part of what made this movie so strange for me to watch because yes. it clearly is something that, for a lot of the jokes to work, assumes that at minimum you are familiar with Scream and I know what you did last summer. And I have seen neither of them. Right. I have seen neither of those. I also think it's interesting that they are parodying Scream, which is in itself not a direct parody, but a commentary on scary it's movies. It's a self-aware scary movie. So it's interesting to choose that one. I think I know what you did last summer is the much more stri- is a much more straightforward version of it. Yeah, I mean, part of the thing with Scream is it was just such a gigantic hit. I mean, we never saw the movie, apparently you as well, but like think about how ubiquitous the ghost face mask was when we were growing up. Uh yeah, I mean, I don't think I knew it was associated to a movie because it, I was so used to just seeing it on Halloween. It was everywhere. I mean, I knew it as the Scream mask. Yeah. I think I I knew it as the Scream mask, but I don't think I realized it was a reference to the movie Scream for a very long time. <laughs> you thought that these people were really into Edward Munch. Yes, obviously. I do really want to watch Scream now. Yeah, me too. It's on HBO, so very easy to do. <sighs> so I want to talk a little bit about like the process of this movie's development, because there is something truly bananas about it that also I think is going to recolor some of your knowledge of parody films during the period when we were growing up because like around the time we were in like middle school and high school parody movies were coming out pretty consistently yeah i remember seeing epic movie in theaters which was like lord of the rings and i think there was like a decent amount of chronicles of narnia in that one yeah and then there was a superhero one that had chris evans in it right i think before he was captain america the theatrically released superhero movie is from like 2007 yes that was definitely the tale the dark knight and before iron man But it was also the tail end of this period of movie parodies, I think. Well, it's the tail end of their theatrical release. They have diminishing returns over time, and eventually they go VOD. (sighs) So some of the same people are still making ones. Like, they made uh, the Starving Games. Oh, God. That sounds so bad. They did a Fast and Furious one in 2015. So they do still exist, but nobody's seeing them anymore. Here's the Mm -hmm. thing, though. You know, epic movie, date movie, superhero movie, all that stuff. Feels like it comes logically off of scary movie. So, yeah, this movie is directed by Keenan Ivory Wayans, who created In Living Color, the sketch comedy show at the end of the 80s, beginning of the 90s, and starred, you know, the Wayans brothers, Sean and Marlon and later Damon Wayans, like all of them. Mm -hmm. So the movie is credited in terms of writing to Sean and Marlon Wayans, who are also in it, along with Buddy Johnson and Phil Bowman, who wrote for the Wayans brothers sitcom. And then there are also screenwriting credits for Jason Friedberg and Aaron Seltzer, who, Mark, Friedberg and Seltzer are the ones who made all those other ones, like Epic Movie and Date Movie and stuff like that. Yeah. They did not write a word of this movie. Huh. They had written a different Scream parody called Scream If I Know What You Did Last Halloween. Okay. (laughs) Pretty great, honestly. They sold that to Dimension Films, which was the, like, schlocky horror wing of Miramax that had actually made Scream. And then the Wayans brothers came up with their own Scream parody that they called Scary Movie, sold it to Dimension. Dimension said, we want to make the Wayans version. We don't want to make the Friedberg and Seltzer one. But in WGI arbitration, the solution to this situation was that Friedberg and Seltzer got a writing credit for a movie that they did nothing on and then make all these other parody movies where they get to say, from the writers of Scary Movie. Oh my god. That is, I mean, 
good for them. They scammed it. Yeah. I guess. Do they work on later ones? Like, are they involved in the later series? Of the scary movie movies? No. Yeah, the scary movie. Scary no. movie movies. But yeah, date movie, epic movie, superhero movie. The last one to get like a full theatrical release was Vampires Suck. I don't remember that one at all. Well, it's the Twilight one. There are so many of them. And they're pretty much all bad. I think they're all bad. I don't remember any. The only one that people have positive memories of, in my experience, is Scary Movie. Which isn't that good. (laughs) I can see why people loved it as teens in 2000. Sure. And I really liked Scary Movie 3 when I watched it, which is very unfortunate. But people at that age have no taste. Right. And it feels transgressive the way that the next year, Shrek felt transgressive. For a younger audience, I'd say. Right, exactly. Yeah. No, but you know what I mean. Right. You feel You're more mature watching it. You feel in on the joke. There's a penis, which is inherently funny because it's transgressive. So I get why it's popular and why it took off. I just don't know if it aged that well. I I think it did not. <laughs> <laughs> But here's the thing. We're talking about the popularity of this movie. Mark, Scary Movie was the seventh highest grossing film of 2000. Oh my god. It made $157 million in North America. Oh my god. And another $121 million overseas. That's in- That's ridiculous. Yeah. At the time, it was the highest grossing film by a black director. And it held that record until Tim Story's Fantastic Four. Wow. <laughs> Okay. It is just a preposterous level of success. That it's so much more than I thought. Yeah. I guess it the cultural impact it has does make sense now. Yeah. I actually I want to see if you can get to the other so it's the 7th highest grossing film of the year 2000. I want to know if you can get the other 6. Oh god, 2000. Um I feel like I'm better at 1999. Well, sure, everyone talks about 1999 as, like, this great year in film, and 2000 is like, oh, right, the next year. What won Best Picture in 2000? Because this is an era where that still might be in the top. So, yes, and this is based on Box Office Mojo numbers. This is pre-Star Wars, or no. No, it's after Phantom Menace. After Phantom, but before Attack of the Clones. Pre-Lord of the Rings. By one year. Yeah. What came out in 2000? So, working through this. So, Scary Movies in 7th place. 6th place is the only superhero movie on this list. Uh, X-Man? X-Men, yes. X-Mans? Was it the first one? It was, the, the original okay. X-Men. Making Hugh Jackman a movie star. That's what I thought. Coming off of Oklahoma on stage. Where the wind comes. I don't know any words. <laughs> Apparently. <laughs> wow, Number 5 is a blanked. comedy. Okay. We've got... Two comedies, like just straight up comedies, in the top seven. Is it a Dumb and Dumber? It is not a Dumb and Dumber. Is it? Um, I was wondering if it was like the sequel. Are no. they sequels or are they originals? This is the first in a series of comedies. First in a series of just straight comedies. Yes, like comedies about family dynamics. Hmm. Two thousand is tough because, like. Six years old is probably a a nadir of film memory, because you don't revisit anything. Right. Uh, Do you have a... Can I have another hint? 
maybe yeah. an actor. Yeah, so the star, the main stars are Ben Stiller and Robert De Niro. Those are the over-the-title names. Oh, Meet the Fockers. Meet the Parents? Uh, meet the Parents. Meet the Parents is the first one. Meet the Fockers is the second one. Right. Okay. Meet, and then, like, Babies is the number the three. Little Fockers. Little Fockers, of course. Okay. In fourth place, we have that... No, it's 2000, but, you know, it's pre-9-11, so it's still the 90s. Uh, this is the holder of, over of that great 90s genre, the disaster movie. Hmm. No, that's later. This one is about uh, a a boat. So it you know Poseidon is in the right direction, but a boat that's not Titanic or Poseidon. Right. It's like a normal boat. It's just in a disaster. Oh, a storm of the century. No. Um. This one is probably gonna be the toughest one for you. I don't know many boat disaster movies. I I I disaster movies are one of my biggest weaknesses because I. Do not like them. It's one of Clooney's big starring roles. The perfect same year storm. as Oh Brother. The Perfect Storm, yeah. Okay, that's what I was thinking of. Storm of the Century is just a different movie. <laughs> yeah. All right, number three is the Best Picture winner. Is it... They just a, announced a sequel, Maybe Made. A drama? Uh, no, it's more of an actioner. Actioner from 2000. This Best is another picture. massively influential one. The Matrix is 99, right? Yes. Okay. And the sequels aren't until 2002. Yeah. Can I have an actor or another hint? Mission Impossible? Uh, so Mission no, Impossible 2 is in second. Oh, I got it. Okay. Yes. Um, that one you know is a, a very 2000 movie because it's like full of extreme stunts. Like a right. lot of motorcycles and Tom Cruise hanging off a cliff. Like X Games. Yes. Type things. They go to Australia, which is itself like an extreme sports thing. <laughs> Just choosing to exist in Australia is like playing the X Games. Yeah. So this third place, it's the Best Picture winner. Um, it is a period action movie. It's not set in the present. Um, Pre-Pirates. Yes. Pirates later. Is it fun? Like, do you enjoy it? Have you seen it? I have not, but the reputation is that it is fun. Okay. Uh, Top Gun. That's Top like Gun the is, 80s. Top Gun is 86. I'm just thinking about movies with an announced sequel. I mean, Top Gun is coming out next year. Yeah. Oh, okay. Um, no idea. Who's in it? it? Was To be clear, Top Gun was supposed to come out last year. I have already drunk at a movie theater from a Top Gun Maverick cup. Oh, my God. But it is now coming out Memorial Day 2022. Oh, my God. Okay. Uh, who is the star? The star is Russell Crowe. Gladiator? Yep. Okay. I've seen parts of Gladiator, and then I think I went and threw up because I was sick. Oh, no. And then I did not watch the rest of the movie. All right. And the highest grossing film of 2000 is a family holiday comedy. Uh, Christmas with the Cranks. <laughs> no, I think that's like 2005. Home Alone <laughs> It was definitely two. <laughs> not the highest grossing film of the year. <laughs> I know. That's... <laughs> yeah. Uh, it's uh, not a Home Alone, is it? No. They stopped making money after the second one. Yeah. Okay. Um, The Santa Claus? No, that's earlier. That's 90s. Uh, The Santa Claus 2? No, that's later. (laughs) Also not the top highest grossing movie of the year. Or do you not remember the rubber Santa and its rubber butt? (laughs) God, I hated that movie. I, who is in it? Uh, Jim Carrey. Oh, The Grinch. Ron Howard's How the Grinch Stole Christmas. 
one of Nick's favorite movies. Really? Yeah. <laughs> I have only seen it once. I did not care for it. One, because I find the song Where Are You Christmas deeply annoying. And two, because it does the same dumb thing that the 2018 Illumination Grinch movie does, which is tell me a backstory of the Grinch and how he became mean, which I don't want to know. I want the Grinch to be this elemental force looming over Whoville. Elemental force of meanness. Right. Uh, I think I enjoyed it. I don't really feel the need to revisit it because I don't know if I would enjoy it now, but I did when I was younger. Sure. That's the thing, like, we didn't have it, I didn't see it in theaters, I, like, saw it once, and, like, probably, like, a middle school, like, class Christmas party, where it's the last day before break, and they're just like, screw it, just bring in, like, cookies, and we're all gonna, like, sit around and watch a movie. I think I just enjoyed the, like, Jim Carrey monologues that he did, about, sure. like, taking himself out to dinner, solve world hunger, don't tell anyone. I think those really, as a kid, that is what I found funny. Uh, all of those movies, probably better than this one. And yeah, those are the only movies that year that made more money than Scary Movie. Yeah, I'm surprised Gladiator was only number three. Well, with a Mission Impossible 2 and then a huge hit of a family Christmas movie, three makes sense. Yeah. I also forgot that they are in talks for a sequel to Gladiator. They've, like, talked about it ever since Gladiator came out. But, like, now Ridley is talking like he planned. He's like, it's the next movie I'm putting in development. Wow. I wonder what it would be like, because they just completely changed Roman history. Like, it ends with the restoration of the Republic. So, is it just going to be about a restored Roman Republic? I don't know. I mean, you also get to, like, jump 20 years ahead in the future. Yeah. Maximus has gone drunk with power and has... Well, that's the thing is, like, reestablished the Empire. Ridley Scott is such a pessimist. Yeah. That... I can't imagine it will have gone well. Like, this is the dude who makes movies like Prometheus and Alien Covenant. And he's like, clearly, like, what I want to talk about these days is, like, nothing has meaning. And, like, there's no purpose behind anything. I think a movie where Maximus has become the villain is a, a terrible idea. No, it's a good one. I only know that. And it'll give, Russell Crow, it. it'll give Russell Crowe an opportunity to do his favorite thing, which is to gain or lose weight for a role. I think he just does it and then chooses roles to match what's happening. It's like him and Christian Bale. Yeah, Christian Bale really... I think he says he's going to stop, though. He should. He's destroying his body. I think he has, I think he has reached the point where he said he will stop doing that because he is killing himself. Good. All right. Okay. Uh, good digression, but I do think we have to go back to Scary Movie. All right. Well, uh, we should probably talk about the romance because, like, there's, like, a lot to talk about in this movie and also nothing to talk about this movie because... Yeah. It it doesn't have a lot of plot. What plot there is is just scream and I know what you did last summer. I do. <laughs> when we were not watching it, Nick was like, at one point he goes, oh, this movie was written and directed by black people. I feel less bad about laughing at some of these jokes now. Yes. <laughs> it is good to know that these were not written by white people. And it's very consistent with the style of humor in the Wayans Brothers movies. Stuff like Don't yeah. Be a Menace and White Chicks and Little Man. Right. I think Regina Hall is just killing it in this movie. <laughs> she always is. She always is. She is by far my favorite part of this movie. I was very sad to see her die, but I also understand why everyone stabbed her. And this is that period where she is really emerging. This is the same year as Love and Basketball, where she plays the older sister. I'm just looking at the poster. None of the main characters are on it. Correct. That's so weird. 
It's Buffy, the stoner brother, Ray, Drew, who dies within the first five minutes. And then I can't tell who the back corner on the left is. It is funny that the poster hits the I see dead people thing so hard when that's not really a thing in the movie. Like, somebody says it once, but yeah, it is it's one not joke like this is a Sixth time. Sense parody. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, I think we should talk about All the right. romance of Scary Movie. Yes. So, every week, we break down the romantic plotline into five points to help us examine its believability. And Mark... After I watched this movie and didn't know what to do and hadn't taken notes because I was on a plane, I asked you to make the points for it so I would not have <laughs> I didn't realize that was the motivation behind it. I was like, oh, makes sense. We'll divide up the next two we record on the same day. Yeah, and, and uh, I gave us, like, I picked Friday the 13th, you picked Scary Movie. Right, so it tracked. I didn't realize it was because you were feeling lazy. Yeah. Well, all right. So point one, after opening with a scene in which Carmen Electra plays Drew and uh, popcorn gets absurd, a Jiffy Pop on the stove gets us absurdly large. I laughed. I laughed too. And there's never payoff for it either. Like it never pops, which I find even funnier. I think we should have gone back to Drew's house at the end of the movie. And it was just like totally full of a Jiffy Pop. (laughs) That would have been funny. But yeah, she dies. She's killed by the killer wearing a scream ghost face killer mask and then we get the title card and we cut to anna ferris's bedroom and her boyfriend whose name is bobby climbs in through her window and flirts with her and his whole role is trying to get sex out of his girlfriend so you thought you would just climb through my window and we would play bump bump I was kind of hoping to get my balls lit, but I wouldn't want to break your little underwear rule, now would I? So, maybe just some on top of the clothes type stuff. Yes. Who that is, is his resistant. His entire function in the movie. His entire being. So, he tries to, you know, get her to have sex with him, then they just start making out and fooling around, but then her dad comes because in. she has an electric fence around her crotch. Yes. So they're going to do some over-the-clothes stuff, as they say, which is an inherently funny phrase. It is. I always laugh when people say over-the-clothes stuff. But then her dad comes in, and he has to hide under the bed. Her dad goes away for a while. Um, I think he just, like, leaves after that. Yeah, he goes out the window, probably. He goes out the window, and then they go to school. So, point two. <laughs> they are at school. The gang's all together. She's with her best friend, Brenda, who is played by Regina Hall. And the then great they Regina Hall. run into their other friend, Buffy, who Regina Hall is judging not for having sex, but for having sex with a backup dancer. <laughs> and Buffy is played by Shannon Elizabeth from American Pie. Right. Oh, the other guy in the cover is her boyfriend, who I forgot existed. <laughs> Greg Cox. Wait! What? Oh, never mind. I went on to Shannon Elizabeth's Wikipedia page, and I was like, wait, she was in Jack Frost? But she was in the other Jack Frost that came out the year before. Oh, the scary version? Yeah. Like, what if she had been the cute girl in Jack Frost? That would have been really wild. So they're all friends hanging out, and then they are talking about Drew's death, and they're worried that it has to do with the guy they killed the previous year. Hey, come on, man. What? Just get a little closer. Something you want to tell me? Bobby, what are you doing? I just want you to touch it. Just touch it. Come on. Uh, just a little bit. Come on. 
Right. I did love when we flash back to them. Like, they hit the guy with their car, and they're like, shoot, what are we going to do? And the guy's just getting up. He's like, I'm fine. No worries. Like, yeah, I'm fine. Good. It happens. And they're like, no, we have to make sure no one can find about him. And they repeatedly just, like, <laughs> bludgeon him and kill him because they're insisting, like, we got to make it so nobody finds out. Yeah. So point two is that they're in the car, in the flashback, driving around. Greg and Shannon are making out in the back. Ray and Brenda, who are dating, are making out in the back. And Bobby's driving and trying to get Roadhead from... What is her name? I just think of her as Anna Ferris. Her name is Cindy. So he's trying to get Roadhead from Cindy. And then out of Ray standing up on Cindy's back to get out of the sunroof it like forces her down into bobby's crotch yeah it's, it's a, a very weird very bad uh yeah but then he didn't distract- care for it no i didn't either he's distracted and then they hit someone and then yeah we get the great scene of them trying to figure out what to do with the body as he's repeatedly saying like i'm okay um and eventually they dump him in the lake and that's point two hooray they have a secret that they have to take to their grave point three the accusation, it says. The accusation. I gotta say, this is one of my favorite back-to-back movie combos, because they were both free to stream in about 90 minutes. Yeah, it was a good set. Anyway, so, point three, the accusation. People are dying, I think Greg's dead by this point, and Cindy accuses Bobby. Like, they're making out. I don't really understand why she starts to think Bobby is the killer. <laughs> I can explain that. Oh my god. A friend gave it to me. Yeah, I didn't follow it either. She's like, I think you're the killer. And I'm like, okay. I think it was just because she was stalked by the killer and then Bobby showed up right after. Oh yeah, oh, you're right. And she why. does find the mask in his backpack. Yeah, so that's why. I watched so this movie why. over a week ago. Yeah. Uh, so she accuses him of being the killer and he goes to jail. But then, then the, the killer, killer shows, up. shows up after. So this brings us to point four. Bobby is out of jail, and Cindy and Bobby are fighting. There's not a lot to this movie. No, certainly not in the romance department. I'm sorry. Please understand. Understand what? That my girlfriend would rather call me a killer than touch me? That's not true, Bobby. Then what is it? What is it? She's gone, and she's not coming back. It's been over a year, Cindy. But Ginger was such an important part of the Spice Girls. You gotta move on, baby. Yeah, Bobby is understandably upset that he was arrested on, on the, the word of his girlfriend of his girlfriend with very little evidence. Well, I mean, the mask is pretty big evidence. Yeah. Okay. And so, yeah, but you know, she tries to move forward with him and like ask for forgiveness, I guess. And they kind of get back together, but then yeah, we it get seems to like it. Then we get to point five, which is we find out that um, Bobby is a copycat killer. Who, because of being denied sex, is now gay and is moving to San Francisco with Ray. So their plan is to kill everyone, but Ray isn't gay. Ray insists that he is not gay. What? I ain't gay. What are you talking about? You took it at a club. So they play good music. What about our trip to San Francisco then? I wanted to go shopping. But... You, you made love to me. No, ho, ho. First of all, you suck my... Whatever, Ray. Okay, I don't want to talk about this now. The point is, Cindy, and I'm a new man. Uh, so they're trying to kill everyone to make a clean break to move to San Francisco. It makes zero sense. And it wasn't that funny. And we find out the original funny. killer was 
Officer Doofy. Yeah, just a part of the movie I don't really feel like tapping into. <laughs> yeah. It's um, so uncomfortable. It is deeply uncomfortable. It's ultimately a usual suspect's joke, I guess. Yeah. More of a reference. Yeah, there's a lot of that. Right, the line which is between just a problem. And reference is an important one that the movie doesn't always seem to understand because like just to like, oh, I understood that reference doesn't actually mean it was a joke. Yeah, that's one of the biggest problems with parody. Good parody understands how to make a joke. Bad parody just makes references and assumes that's a joke. Right, which is why a good parody will stand up even if you don't even realize it's a parody. So something like Airplane, which is a parody of like airport, the fact that there were multiple plane disaster movies in the 70s, you right. don't have to know that an airplane is still funny. And it's why DreamWorks movies have so many problems. Right. The good DreamWorks movies, like The Croods and How to Train Your Dragon, are the ones that don't try and make any pop culture references. Shark Tale being the worst example of it. A really egregious one. I think Madagascar's in there, too. Madagascar's up there. Um. Yeah, so that's the movie. Scary movie. Uh, 94 minutes with credits, with about uh, 30 minutes of plot to it. Yeah. Uh, so, so Mark... Do you find the romance of Scary Movie believable? This is a very difficult movie to judge. Um, it is. Because, I mean, it makes sense. We just see that they are dating. But, you know, being deprived of sex does not make people gay. Right. And should not make them murderous. Should not make them murderous. Uh, so I'm going to go with no. Yeah, I think it's not believable. Um, where would you rate it on our 10-point scale where 0 means we believe none of it and 10 means we believe all of it? Like, maybe a 3? I'm giving it a 2. Okay. I was gonna say that Greg and Buffy was, like, understandable, but Buffy is cheating on him repeatedly. Right. Which everyone seems to know. And there's also just that, like, the horrible scene in the car. Yeah. Which nobody seems to react to much at all. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I think a two is a better choice. Now, Mark, do you think any of these people is dateable? Uh, maybe Brenda, if we never watched movies together. (laughs) Yeah, that was uh, pretty intolerable. Brenda pulling out the camera is one of the funniest things, though. (laughs) Like, the the ridiculous size of the camera, even in 2000, I think cameras had gotten smaller. Yeah. (laughs) <laughs> I really it, enjoyed that. It's so big. I like that's what I was saying. All the prop jokes are good. Um yeah, so uh, no. But maybe Brenda a little bit. Well, Mark, here's the thing. You have to pick one person in this movie to date. Are we just skipping whether they stay together because everyone is dead? Everyone's dead. Yeah, nobody okay. stays together. Um if I had to pick one person to date in this movie, I don't know. Drew seems nice. Yeah, that's what I was going to say, too. Drew seems perfectly fine. She is making popcorn. And doesn't live long enough to do anything horrible. Yeah, and is very friendly on the phone. Because yeah. I do think if someone in this, like, if someone strange calls you, you don't immediately assume that they are scary. She just no. is like, oh, I guess we'll just chat. Especially in an age where phone books are common. Right. But there's Remember no when you used to be able ID. to look up any person's phone number? Wow, I know. It's cr- it's just crazy to think about. Will, many of the movies we cover have been turned into musicals. Should this movie be made into a musical? No, it maybe shouldn't have been made into a movie. There's nothing there. Yeah, 
I think the concept can be done well. You just have to do, you have to have a story and incorporate references in the form of jokes rather than just adding a story on top of a series of jokes. It's the kind of thing where you get that the Wayans are coming out of sketch comedy within Living Color, but there are better sketch movies than this too. You know, we talked about like Coming to America, even like Billy Madison is more of a movie than this. Yeah, you need to start with the story. So, no. I don't know if we should continue in the world of Scary Movie. Uh, no. So, I think that about does it. But next week, we're going to be taking a look at a great world, which is Sherwood Forest and the town of Nottingham. A Iraq War commentary version of the Robin Hood story set in medieval times, but somehow using... Machine Guns in the Desert. It's the 2018 Robin Hood starring Taron Edgerton and Jamie Foxx. I highly recommend it. It is such a weird viewing experience. We almost got kicked out of the theater. We were fine. I don't know about that. I saw... We got looks. (laughs) We weren't even talking that much. We were just laughing so uproariously. (laughs) How could we not? Really, if you want to have a fun time watching a movie, watch Robin Hood 2018. And we are bullying our friend Catherine into watching it again. Until then, you can follow the show on Facebook and Twitter at Love the Love Pod, and you can email us questions or movie suggestions at lovethelovepod at gmail.com. Make sure to rate, review, and subscribe, especially on Apple Podcasts. It really helps new listeners find the show. Last question, Mark. <sighs> what is the best piece of dating advice you got from Scary Movie? I do not know. Neither do I. Maybe set boundaries with your partner, physical if you have to, but also respect yourself enough to break up with someone if they are doing this much pushing, which she does not do, until it's revealed that he is a murderer. Uh, But yeah, so some negative advice. Set boundaries and break up with people that disrespect them, unlike Cindy. Um, I'm going to say find... A partner who lets you be comfortable with who you are, which seems like what Ray and Bobby have found at the end of the movie. (sighs) Maybe. Barely even that. Yeah. Well, Well, what are you going to do? I don't know. (laughs) Oh, don't revisit this movie if you have fond memories of it. That's all I'm going to say. Until next time, I'm gay. And I'm a ginger. So between the two of us, we know everything there is to know about romance. Bye. Bye. Yeah.